Welcome to How Do You Write? I'm your host, Rachel Heron. On this podcast, I talk to authors about how they write, what their process is, and how their lives fit together. I'll keep each episode short so you can get back to writing. Well, hello, writers. Welcome to episode number 138 of How Do You Write? I'm Rachel Heron. Super stoked that you're here with me today. Thank you for your patience while I disappeared off the map for a couple of weeks. Last week, you got one that was preloaded, um, but the week or two before that, I was traveling. I went to New York. After I went to New York, I got sick, and when I get sick, you know, I could have a migraine that'll take down a rhinoceros, and I will still do everything that I need to do, but if I get a cold, no, 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 no. I... I am such a baby. I want to lie in bed and I want to cough weekly and I want somebody to bring me hot tea. Although, you know what, my wife works, so I end up getting up and getting my own damned hot tea and that's fine because I really, I'm just a baby. But that cold moved and lingered and stayed around for about a week. And so um, this is the first update you've had from me in a while. And I want to tell you a story, a story about New York Thriller Fest. I've got to tell you, you guys, it was so great. It was so great for so many reasons. Um, top being that I got to spend so much time with my Sophie Littlefield. Um, she is another thriller writer, although she writes all the genres. She's wonderful. We're besties here in the Bay Area. We see each other all the time, talk all the time, but it's always special to travel with somebody. And we had never been to New York together, which we didn't really realize. I think we had been a long time ago before we were very close, like we shared space, but it wasn't this kind of space. So that was awesome. Uh, number two was being with my other bestie, Jay Thorne from my podcast that I co-host with him, The Writer's Well. If you've never listened to that, it's a pretty cool show. We talk about living the writer's life. And that is one of the rare shows. I think it's good to start at the beginning and work your way up because um, we really worked we, we recorded as Jay was getting ready to make the leap to full-time just after I had made the leap to full-time. So three-ish years ago. Um, and the podcast episodes are short, like this one. And we got to hang out together and be in the hotel room together and just, you know, shoot the crap and talk business. And I, you know, and Jay schmoozed the way he does. He knows everybody. Um, we did go to one of the cocktail parties. We were both incredibly awkward. I think we really... Because we could cling to each other, we didn't have to schmooze. We just stood in a corner and looked at everybody until the noise level made us bolt um, as introverts. But he did a real good job schmoozing there. Good job, Jay. Um, but then another huge reason that I loved being there was that I have been to a lot of conferences. Um, they always have left me feeling quite small. And I can admit that to you. Um, I am... A very small fish. I've been a very small fish in an enormous pond for many, many, many years. Uh, that's the way it goes. That's the way it honestly still is. However, uh, a couple things about that. I don't mind being a small fish in a large pond. I just like swimming. Um, and number two, the only reason it was a little bit different this year is that I am in a new genre with a new publisher. Um, and it's just about to come out in just a few weeks. So I was kind of the gal around town. So when I went to the Penguin Publishing Party, um, I went to the address. And it was very strange because it was just a door on a busy street in Manhattan. It was a glass door. It had the right numbers on it. 
I opened the door and a woman took me up in an elevator and she used the key to unlock the elevator doors, which opened into Barbara Peters' pied-a-terre, her family's pied-a-terre apartment in New York. That's where we were. So we're in this fabulous Manhattan apartment that the elevator opens into, wall of glass windows looking out, um, the room full of industry professionals, stars of the thriller world. Uh, and I swear to you, 10 or more, I can count 10. I think it might've been more because I was so overwhelmed. Um, people came up to me, like rushed up to me and said, are you Rachel Heron? Oh my God, I loved your book. Oh my gosh, that was such a great book because they were all Dutton people. They work within the imprint at Penguin and Dutton is a small imprint and everybody who works at Dutton works on all the books. They've all read all the books. So they made me feel like a rock star, which, um, you know, has never happened before. And it was really beautiful. And I do not mind admitting to you that it felt great. Um, and I was dressed up pretty and my hair looked good. And I had left having coffee with my other best friend, uh, Carrie Luna, who lives in Portland that I never get to see. We happened to be in New York at the same time. So I had coffee with her, which was heart filling. Went directly from there, wearing my finest fluvogs, um, to the publisher party. Went right from there to a dinner with my agent at this incredible Korean place just around the corner. Um, and the next, it was just magical. It was like the dream. And I hope you don't mind me talking about the dream because it feels so freaking good to live in it. And if you have a similar dream, it's nice to know. Look, I was a slush pile baby. I knew no one in publishing. I came out of a slush pile. You can too. Um, walking around New York in my flu box, man, the flu box that shoes bought me. Cause that used to be my reward to myself. Whenever I would make a sale of a book to a publisher, I'd buy myself a pair of flu box. Sometimes now, uh, they're fries. Um, recently, it was um, Sangren, but I still choose. Um, so the next morning, I go out with my team, put it in air quotes, um, my publisher, my publicist, and my marketer, and they are divine. They're wonderful. I've never worked with a team so strong in publishing. I just love them. They made me feel like a hundred million bajillion dollars at breakfast. And uh, we talked business, and we talked shop, and we talked... TV. And um, then I get in the cab. I go into the Penguin offices. I see my book on my publisher's desk, um, the advanced reader's copy. And then I leave. I get in the cab. I'm halfway across town going back to the hotel. And I get a text from um, my marketer. And she says, can you come back? And she said, we have something for you. And I had the most New York moment where I literally said something like, Gabby, turn this car around. And in reality, what I probably said was like, um, uh, I'm sorry, can we, can we go back? And do you know where you picked me up? Can you drop me off in the same place? Cause I didn't know where I'd gotten picked up from. Um, but he did. And he took me back. And then if you're watching on the video, Jamie handed me through the window, the hardcover finished copy of stolen things. If you're watching on the video, look at the shine on this thing. It's got a front flap and a back flap. And I looked super tough. I looked super tough in my thriller uh, picture. 
that my goddaughter Tani took. It's um, an amazing picture. I am so not tough. Literally, this is one of the takes that she took. The first one, I'm laughing my ass off. And then I look very mean. And then the third one, I'm laughing my ass off. But I got a couple of like thriller shots in there. So that's on there. Her name is in the book because she took the picture. Um, it's so wonderful. And it was the first book. The box of finished books had just landed. It comes into the publicist's area first. They get them first. So Jamie had gotten it first, had opened the box, realized what it was, texted me, and I got the very first copy in my hot little hand. Um, all of those things together made for one of the best New York publishing experiences I have ever had. I think I can live on this high for years and years and years to come because it was the dream coming true. And also you guys, I went to mood with Sophie, the fabric store, and, um, I got to hug and kiss swatch and he did French me, which was disgusting. He has some of the worst breath of any dog I have ever smelled in my entire life. It smelled like rotten Turkey. Um, but it's, it's Swatch, the dog from Mood. I got to kiss Swatch and I have some pictures and it was just the best New York trick. It was wonderful. I had an egg and bacon bagel from a, you know, our, our egg and bacon breakfast sandwich from a bodega. Like it was sublime. It was sublime. And if you haven't read, ooh, what is it called? It's by Carolyn C. And I think it's called Make a Literary Life or Making a Liter Literary Life. Again, Carolyn, S-E-E-C. Um, grab that book because I read that 20 years ago. And she says, start saving to go to New York. Because if you continue writing and if you continue this dream, you will eventually get published if you write a thousand words a day. That was her prescription. And start saving a little bit of money here and there to go to New York because someday you will and you'll need it. And then these, I remember when I read that the first time 20 years ago, I thought, no, no, I can't dream that big. I can't dream that big. But um, I did the dream that big and I'm just so lucky. So I hope this is not completely obnoxious, this whole introduction, but I wanted to share that joy with you. Um, speaking of joy, oh my gosh, this is just a joyful episode. Today, I am talking to Hannah Shaw, who is a publishing sister of mine. Um, her editor is the same as my editor, and that's how I found her. Uh, she wrote a book called Tiny But Mighty about kitten rescue. She is so delightful. So I hope you are watching this on the video, because not only will you get to see the hardcover copy of Stolen Things, um, which really, who cares? You're going to get to see kittens in a minute. So basically, stop driving your car and pull this up on your computer. I guarantee that you will not... <laughs> be disappointed. Also, she's beautiful. So yeah, you should definitely watch on, on camera. Um, enjoy the interview. I'm not going to take any longer with this introduction. It's longer than I normally do. And I wish you all very, very happy writing. If you listen to the end, there's a chance to win Hannah's book. Um, so listen to the end, figure out how to do that. And it involves talking to me and her on Instagram. So it's pretty easy and very fun. And, um, uh, as always, happy writing to you. Tell me how your writing goes. Hit me anywhere that I am on the socials. And thank you for listening. Have you been sending out that perfect query letter and hearing crickets? 
Well, did you know that I am the query letter whisperer? I honestly love to work on them and they get results. Lorena Hughes, the award-winning author of The Sisters of Alameda Street says, with just a few clever tweaks, Rachel Heron transformed my long and wordy proposal into a sharp query letter that got me agent requests the very next day. I honestly live for fixing query letters. They're like puzzles in my brain. What I do is I overhaul the good drafting that you've already done. I don't write the rough draft for you. I do rearrange your ideas into exactly what the industry expects and responds to for the low, low price of 100 bucks. If you're interested, just go to rachelherron.com slash query and see more information and more testimonials from satisfied clients. Now onto the interview. All right. Well, I could not be more pleased to welcome to the show today, Hannah Shaw. Hello, Hannah. Hey, thanks for having me. So glad that you are. Let me get you a little introduction here. Uh, Hannah Shaw is an award-winning kitten rescuer, humane educator, and unwavering animal advocate who has dedicated her life to protecting the tiniest and most vulnerable felines. Her project, Kitten Lady, provides educational media, training resources, and instructional workshops that help individuals and animal shelters learn how to save the lives of kittens in a fun and engaging format. Hannah is the author of Tiny But Mighty from Penguin Random House and the forthcoming children. Children's book, Kitten Ladies, Big Book of Little Kittens. You can find her at kittenlady.org. And Hannah, where I found you was, oh, those covers are so gorgeous. Um, people, this might be one that if you only listen on audio, you may want to switch to the Facebook or the How Do You Write YouTube feed because she's got kittens behind her. I could see them running around. Um, the litter box right now. So. <laughs> Perfect timing. Perfect timing. That's what cats do. I found you because I don't know if you know, but we share an editor. Um, Stephanie is my editor for the thriller that comes out next month. And we were having lunch one day and she said, I'm also editing this other wonderful book. And I immediately followed you on Instagram and I have not been able to stop staring into your life ever since. And it is, so you should follow her at kitten next lady. I am completely obsessed. Um, Today, though, let's talk a little bit about your writing process. I like to get writers of everything on the show, and this is nonfiction specifically about what you are most passionate about, but you are an incredibly busy person, so I would love to know what your writing process looked like through all of this. Like, when do you write? Where? Yeah, I mean, I was really excited to come on the show because I was like, this is not a question I've ever been asked. So I have to really think about, like, how did I do this? Well, um, I think that I spend a huge portion of my time doing content creation. So uh, I am, you know, making YouTube videos. I'm doing educational workshops. I'm doing writing on my website. So I, when I put together my book proposal, I sort of already knew, like, front to end what this – really needs to look like because I, I already do, you know, I do these day long seminars that I teach that are um, like a full day of classes about what I uh, teach, which is kitten welfare. So um, I, I kind of started by taking what I already have and what I already teach and then just um, like creating my outline of, okay, what, like, what would this actually look like parsed out? And then to make it digestible for me, because I am, you know, I have a lot going on. <laughs> uh, I kind of made it into little sections. So what you see if you go through the book is there's all these little sections, like, like sections within sections within sections. And so maybe I'll have 
a section on, like I have an entire chapter on uh, what to expect when you're expecting kittens. And that's all like, it's what it sounded like. It's, that's like, so cute. Like, what are the developmental milestones? What's normal behavior? What's, when do different things happen? Like when do their eyes open? When do their ears, oh, you know, their ear canals open? Uh, why are their eyes blue? You know, like all of these different things. Um, and so I just took it into like digestible portions. And then when I have time, I sit down and I just write a section. Um, so when I was writing, I would say, okay, today I'm just going to write about ocular development and that's it. Um, or I'm just going to write small fries story. Um, and I have all these kitten stories throughout the book. So um, I think doing it that way, you know, kind of piece by piece was helpful for me because um, I think I, I do my best writing when I'm feeling really passionate about something. So uh, if I was literally in the middle of caring for a dehydrated kitten, I'd be like, I'm going to write about dehydration today because right now I feel extra passionate about making sure people understand this. And it's more important to me because I'm going through it, you know? Um, what a great idea though. Yeah. Write that section. And then maybe I'm like, Oh, I'm not, I'm not thinking about constipation because I'm not dealing with a constipated kitten, but then the next kitten you get is constipated. And I'm like, Oh, I need to write about this. You know? <laughs> um, so everything has like a place, but I didn't write it like front to back. So what is the most difficult part to you about writing? What's the most challenging bit? Uh, brevity. Really? So I am a long writer. I have too much to say. They told me to write uh, 75,000 words, and I think I ended up at like 120,000 words <gasps> um, because I couldn't stop. And I was like, well, what do I do if I have more to say? And they said, it's always easier to take away than to add. So just keep writing until you don't have anything else to say. And I was like, okay. And then I ended up with a really big book. That is hilarious because like my long, long novels are 100,000 words. Like that is so much more. And but what, I really, what I appreciate about your writing though, like when I'm reading you on Instagram, which is where I consume your media most, your posts are long and they're thought out and they're considered. And um, so I have two questions jumping off of this, but what is your biggest joy when it comes to writing then? Oh gosh, when it comes to writing. Well, uh, I think I love the instructional piece, but the the storytelling piece is really fun for me because I, I've lived all of this through my own eyes, but other people, you know, they only get to see these small glimpses. So getting to really tell like beginning to end the story of some of the kittens that I've cared for was really, really fun. And some of them, I read them and I just sob. Like sometimes I read the books for the stories from my own book and I just cry because I'm like, Oh, what an amazing journey that kitten had. And you know, and it's beautiful to have it written out somewhere that I can now see it and people can see the photos and read the stories. And, um, I think that was the biggest joy for me was getting to really, uh, document some of these little lives that I've saved and have them be their own teachers in the book because every kitten story is scattered throughout the book in sections that are teaching the things mm. that story is teaching, you know? So, uh, you know, I have a section about viral diseases in kittens and then I have Hank's story who is a kitten that survived the panleukopenia virus. So it's like you're reading these stories, but then you're learning how to do the care at the same time. That is so uh, cool. So it's cool because I, I consider my little kittens to be like the best teachers in the world. Here's government. 
Peppermint, I've been watching you online. Well, (laughs) these guys are great teachers because, you know, every single kitten you get, you learn something through them. So I guess that was uh, the natural way for me to write this book was to have the outline of what I want people to know, but also uh, scattered throughout are the stories of the kittens that can teach us not just how to do this care, but also the why, like, why does this matter? Because it matters to peppermint. That's why it matters. You know, <laughs> And the best thing is, is that you, you know, that was a great way for you to teach, but it's also just such an ideal way to learn. Like I might remember something about viral diseases, but I will remember Hank's story. Right? Sure. Um, that's, that's how it sticks in our brains. So when you were developing this book proposal, uh, and this is something I just I just don't know the answer to. I've not seen this on your Instagram or anywhere. But um, some people who write nonfiction about the things that they're passionate about write it because they're passionate about it. And other people do the same thing, but they've also always wanted to be a writer. Where did you fall in that camp? Uh, I have always wanted to write this book because you can't say everything that you want to say. In, like those long Instagram captions you see, I will use every character you're allowed to. And sometimes I'm like a few characters over and I have to go back and be like, how could I have said this? How could I change this sentence so that I can finish my thought at the end? Because there's not enough room to say everything I want to say. So uh, all of that is to say, you know, an eight minute YouTube video or a three paragraph Instagram caption uh, or even a 12 page booklet or a two hour seminar is not enough time mm-hmm. to share everything that I have to share about the importance of this work and also how to do it well. Uh, so I've always wanted to write this book. Mm, I love that. I, uh, I have a lot of books in me. Like I, I loved doing this and I didn't know anything about the literary world before doing this book. I always wanted to write this book and then while I was writing this book, the children's uh, publisher approached me about doing a children's book. And I was like, are you kidding? That sounds so fun. I would love to do that. And what I've found is that I love it. Like, I love the writing process so much. I loved seeing this go from an idea to kind of like a loose form into suddenly it started to be like a puzzle that you could just see small holes in. And then all of a sudden you're like, oh my gosh, I did it. And it's this beautiful thing that now can be like born into the world and it exists and it's tangible. And how cool is that? I mean, yeah, I have a lot of different books that I would like to write in the future all about animal welfare, but um, yeah, I I, I haven't uh, aspired to be like, I want to be an author. You know, I want to, I educate, I'm an educator. Like I want to do education is the greatest thing for me. So whether that is through storytelling or through, you know, in information or both, uh, that's what's most important to me. And I can say, you know, when I was pitching this book, when I was pitching Tiny But Mighty, uh, there were, I talked to a lot of different publishers and uh, some of them wanted it to be way more storytelling and way less mm-hmm. instructional. Like they just wanted like a cute gift book. And then there were other publishers that wanted like only instruction with no story. And that was how I ended up with, Stephanie and with Penguin because uh, they really believed in the vision that I had, which kind of I've been able to like beta test through social media and YouTube. Yes. The way people like to learn is through stories, stories and information, you know, so um, I'm really grateful that they believed in the way that I saw this coming together. And it is 
uh, different, a different format. Cause it's like, is it a textbook? Kind of, is it a, uh, like autobiography? Kind of, is it a, uh, you know, is it a picture book? Kind of, <laughs> it's, it's all of those things. How did it feel to hold it in your hands the first time when you got the advanced readers copy? I cried. I only have had it for a week. I just got it last week. Yeah. I saw it on Stephanie's desk last week. I was in New York visiting. Yeah, I, so I was, I'm still looking at it and going like, oh my God, it's crazy. Yeah, no, it makes me like so happy because I've seen it obviously digitally. I've read it front to back so many times through the editing process. But the first thing I wanted to do when I got it is read it in hard cover format because it's different than reading it on a, you know, on your document, on your computer. Like it feels more like I can picture somebody else reading it. Mm. Okay. So two things, you guys, you must switch over to the video because Peppermint and (laughs) there are just like playing like create, they've been just showing off this whole time. It's wonderful. (laughs) And um, how did, I know, look at them. This is what they've been doing. Um, How did writing this particular book change you? as a person? Oh, wow. Uh, well, I feel like in so many ways, one thing is that I feel, uh, truly that I'm having an impact now in a way that I didn't before because, you know, an Instagram post, (laughs) like how much of a difference can you really make with an Instagram post? You see it and it goes away. Uh, Even a YouTube video, you see it and then it kind of fades into insignificance. Right. But like, is something I hope will be on shelves for a long time. It makes me feel like, you know, the, the time that I put into this resource is, is more valuable than the time I put into other things. Uh, it feels almost like surreal to me because I, I have other friends who are authors and, um, you know, my partner, Andrew, he has two books out, um, both about cats. <laughs> He's a photographer. I am a cat photographer. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, and so I've seen him go through this twice mm-hmm. and it's like it's like magic seeing something go from an idea to actually being like a, a product on a shelf so I think it has uh it's how, how has it changed me I mean it's it's made me feel like anything's possible I guess because I never thought that this would be possible for me to do and now I'm like what else can I do wow I, I can make a book what else can I do that's awesome. I love, I love that answer. Um, can, and can you just tell us about what you do? Like we, now we know about tiny, but mighty, but I want to, I want to know what you do in your all day, every day. How did your, why is your house filled with tiny, tiny, precious baby kittens? Yeah. So, um, obviously a huge chunk of what I do is education about kitten care, but when I'm at home, um, I do have a kitten nursery in my home and we have two kitten rooms and one of them is the socialization room, which I'm in right now. This is where our big kids live. And by big, I mean like one pound, two pounds. Uh, <laughs> these are where our, um, this is a room where there's, uh, you can't see, but behind here is there's climbing structures and um, lots of little nooks and scratch posts and things for them to interact with. This is a very like enrichment built room. Um, and then the other room is a neonate room. So it's more like incubators and spaces for newborn kittens who are just, uh, you know, having their bottle feeding and mostly sleeping throughout the day. So uh, I am a major advocate for fostering and work with kittens who are zero to eight weeks old because they are the most vulnerable in animal shelters, which a lot of people don't realize. These kittens, uh, you know, they do not 
literally stand a chance at life without foster homes. And so I foster them in my home and then I teach other people how to do the same uh, through videos, written information, now my book. Now your book. Yeah, and lots of uh, traveling and workshops. So you also are you have a real talent at telling um, the honest, hard truth as well. Mm-hmm. Like you deal with it when um, the neonate kittens die, and you talk about what that feels like and how much it sucks and how this went wrong and how it shouldn't go wrong next time. Mm-hmm. Um, and I really, I, I am assuming you brought that into the book with you too. Those hard right. questions, right? Yeah. So mm-hmm. I have a whole section in the book that's all about kind of like personal development as a rescuer, Mm. which is both the positive and the challenging parts of that. So I talk about, you know, the, the positive parts of like, we need to have like good self-care, good boundaries, good uh, social support, stuff like that. But then I also in that chapter talk about dealing with grief, dealing with loss, dealing with compassion, fatigue and burnout um, and, and kind of how we can be resilient as people who are doing really challenging work. Because the truth is, if you are, if you're even thinking about picking up this book, you're already guaranteed to be a very compassionate person. And if you're fostering, then you definitely are a person who's not just compassionate, but you put your compassion into action. Mm-hmm. And that is awesome. But it also means the people who are exposed to potentially very tragic things were the ones that have soft hearts. So how do we do that without burning out, how do we do that and still be able to be sustainable in what we're doing? And, and you know, I want to be able, I want people to be able to do this for five years, 10 years, 15 years, because you, you get a little bit more skills every single time and there's always more kittens waiting to be saved. Uh, so, um, yeah, so self-care is a really, really big part of this too. Um, I love that. My best to show all of this because I want this to be a movement that's not just like, not just like fiery and passionate, but also cool and calm and like uh, sustainable. You know, I want people to do this work well for animals and for themselves. My goddaughter Tani um, runs a or co-runs a dog rescue in San Diego, actually, and I didn't know how much of the emotional was carried in what you all do. I mean, and, and up to and including dealing with volunteers and dealing with, you know, fosters and your, your face was really good. I have a lot to say and I'm not going to say it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So what you do is so important and so compelling. I cannot wait to get this book. And we have a special thing that I don't usually do on this show. Um, but I'd already bought a co- pre-ordered a copy of your book and your publicist offered me a copy. So that copy that I'm not going to take, um, I would like people to go to your Instagram, Kit Next Lady, and I want them to at me, at Rachel Heron, first follow Kit Next Lady, and then at me and tell me a kitten story of some sort. Just be one sentence about your favorite kitten. And then you'll be entered into the drawing to receive your book, Tiny But Mighty, and then your publicist will mail out. You won't have to do anything. So, yay! So please, please do that, listeners. Yeah. Thanks so much for being on the show, Hannah. It has been my privilege and um, I will keep watching your excellent work and congratulations on the book. Thank you so much. You're welcome. Take care. Great chatting with you. You too. Bye. Thanks so much for joining me on this episode of How Do You Write? You can reach me on Twitter, Rachel Heron, or at my website, rachelheron.com. You can also support me on Patreon and get essays on living your creative life for as little as a buck an essay at patreon.com slash Rachel, spelled R-A-C-H-A-E-L. And do sign up for my free weekly newsletter of encouragement to writers at rachelheron.com slash write. 
Now go to your desk and create your own process. Get to writing, my friends. <laughs>